This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Ben Sears at Ben Sears on Letterboxd. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. And welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic via genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com and more podcasts presented by Obsessive Viewer at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts. And if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer, where we have several different reward t- or uh, or our donation tiers, Patreon tiers um, that you can... Um, get so <laughs> at the one dollar per month level you'll get access to over 150 at this point probably exclusive b-roll episodes we just recorded a very nice one about film festivals and our fantasies about film festivals and film festival screenings and stuff. g-rated fantasies g-rated fantasies <laughs> and also there is that prerequisite cat talk at the beginning of that um as well um and at the two dollar level you get that plus uh tv review and reaction episodes. I am currently doing episode reviews of Chapel Wait on Epics based on the Stephen King short story, Jerusalem's Lot, starring Adrian Brody. And uh, by the time you're listening to this, uh, I'm also doing my episode reviews of Apple TV Plus's adaptation of the iconic Isaac Asimov sci-fi series, Foundation, uh, which premiered when you're listening to this last Friday with two episodes and I'm very excited because those episodes, uh, those Patreon episodes I'm going to have posted in tandem with the episodes dropping on Apple TV plus. So the second that the episodes air on Apple TV plus that review will be posted on Patreon. So again, that's at the $2 level. And then at the $5 level, you get all of that plus movie commentary tracks and immediate reviews. Uh, I have commentaries for ex machina it chapter two throne of blood, the shining doctor sleep, uh, and a bunch of other stuff too. And finally at the $10 a month level, you get all of that that all that I've just said, (laughs) plus early access to podcast episodes, previously unreleased content and bonus, bonus deleted scenes and stuff like with the early access episodes of what I've been doing is putting together the Patreon recording and the episode, and then just filling that section in between those two recordings with just deleted scenes, I guess, of shit that uh, they don't know that I'm recording. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, so look forward to Ben's very hateful rant in in the early access for that. Oh no, I'm going to be canceled. Uh, yes. Um, okay, so again, all of that's at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Everything that we make on the Patreon goes to toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running or paying to upgrade the equipment and everything. Um, I'm I'm still like I have everything upgraded and everything, but I'm I just I just spent a little bit more on a new uh, USB microphone to kind of have as I don't know I'm in a crazy headspace, but in terms of portability and uh, and everything, even though Heartland's not doing press stuff this year, unfortunately, but wisely because of COVID, um, I want to be in a position the next time that the world is normal <laughs> to do more press stuff with the film festivals here. So I'm slowly 
checking off all of these boxes that I have of stuff that I want to get, equipment that I want to get, and everything. So again, that is my super long-winded way of saying that if you have the means and you want to support us, check out patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. So, um, I'm your host, the aforementioned Matt Hurt, and with me today is recurring co-host and contributing reviewer on obsessiveviewer.com, uh, Ben Sears. How is it going, Ben? I'm good. You know, nice. I, I should have asked you before we started mm-hmm. recording if we should do our intros either as uh, Clint Eastwood <laughs> or if we could sing. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Man, you know, uh, <laughs> it would not be the first time that I sing along to something <laughs> on a recording. <laughs> yes, I know this. Which is uh, super... Uh, but have you yeah. done it? Have you sung as Clint Eastwood? Uh, no, no, no. And I know that I know what you're thinking. You're, you're wondering if I've sang, uh, to, in the form of a Clint Eastwood thing. And uh, to be honest, I've, I've lost track of if I had. So the question I have to ask you is, do you feel lucky? <laughs> punk? I, you know, I had a feeling earlier today that that would come up. Nice. I, I just wasn't sure how. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. To be honest, I've never seen Dirty Harry, so I'm going purely off of pop culture. So I hope I got that reference right. Uh, I watched it at some point last year, just mm. at random. Okay. And I felt terrible uh, almost immediately because it was uh, not like in the middle of it, but mm-hmm. shortly after the whole George Floyd protest oh, thing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's about a cop who plays by his own rules. <laughs> And uh, shoots first and asks questions later. Mm-hmm. So, jeez, mm, not too. Uh, didn't feel too great about that afterwards. Sure, sure. I think I remember you mentioning that on the podcast at one point. I might have that. Yeah, yeah that's 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 something. <laughs> um, and also, uh, this could kind of feed into the review, but I'll say it now. Um, before I forget, uh, the Man with No Name trilogy is on HBO Max. Um, I saw that I think it was just added maybe this month. Um, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. And, and we'll talk more in the review, but after seeing that movie, I was just like, I kind of want to, now I kind of want to go through at least the man with no name trilogy. Cause I've, yeah. I think I've only seen a fistful of dollars. I've never seen the good, bad and the ugly. Mm. And I'm not sure if I've seen for a few dollars more. I've only seen the community episodes that rip them off. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh my God, community. <laughs> uh, yeah, those episodes are epic. Yes. Oh God. Okay. Um, so usually we have some kind of news or uh, interesting factoids to bring up, but I really don't have much of anything. We talked off mic about maybe talking about the Emmys a little bit, but yeah. I don't know what if you have anything because ted lasso was a big winner yep. um i'm sure that that made you all excited by the way check out ben's reviews of season two episodes of ted lasso on the website that's right yes um yeah yeah uh, so how'd you feel about that uh it was all right i i watched i think i watched most if not all of the show okay um i did not see uh hannah waddingham mm-hmm. win uh, I did not see Brett Goldstein win mm. or the Brett Goldstein <laughs> avatar. <laughs> uh, That's still so funny to yes. me. <laughs> uh, 
I I should check that out on YouTube. I should watch mm. his acceptance speech. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I watched the rest of it. I, I'm pretty sure, other than those two. Nice. Um, yeah, uh, I have not seen The Queen's Gambit or Mare of Town or The Crown. So me neither. I felt pretty left out by a lot of it. Yeah. So, do you have any interest in seeing those? Are you, is are those going to be on your viewing docket? I I get the sense, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I get the sense that you uh, are maybe not in a. I don't know if I'd say not in the position, but maybe you're. I get the sense that you don't really prioritize TV watching versus movie watching. You know, I. Uh... I have been watching some TV, mm-hmm. not as much as I feel like I should, but mm-hmm. um, to answer your question, I do want to watch Mare of Easttown. Mm-hmm. I do want to watch The Crown. I watched the first season, and then for whatever reason, I liked the first season. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I just never picked it back up. Okay. Um, no desire to watch The Queen's Gambit. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I I mean... That's one of those shows that I've heard, like, nothing but acclaim for. Yes. But it's also and something that I, I I like Anya Taylor-Joy. Yes, same here. But I'm also like, I I don't know. I don't know if I want to invest my time in, in a limited series about, like, a period drama about chess. Yeah. From what I understand it, of it. It just feels like a very Netflix-y thing. Yeah. You know? I don't know. Yeah. Like, prestige Netflix stuff. Um, yeah, and yeah. I don't, I don't technically know if I can define that, but right, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. So, did you? I ha I didn't see this, and I've only really read headlines, so I might be, uh, I might, I might be, uh, setting you up, uh, for you know, <laughs> uh, failure or whatever, but uh, by putting the onus of all of this information <laughs> onto you, but. Um, did you see slash hear, or are you cognizant of the, I guess, backlash that Seth Rogen got? Yes. Okay. What happened there? Cause I, what I understand is that he, he did like a funny, like presentation or monologue or something, uh, where he called attention to the fact that, uh, they were skirting, um, COVID yeah. protocols. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, why don't you tell us about that, Ben? <laughs> Well, um, this was part of the show that I did not see because I think it was like okay. right at the opening. Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I understand, yeah, he basically, I, I don't think it was uh, a comedy bit. I think oh. he was being serious. Oh, interesting. Um, he was talking about how they, the producers of the show or whoever runs it said that they would be in a tent or in mm. a outdoor space or something like that okay and they if they were in a tent it was the nicest fucking tent i've ever seen (laughs) um because it just looked like you know just any other awards show pretty much um but he was complaining that they it it didn't feel safe to him i guess because Uh, they were all in a confined space, mm-hmm. but then the producers said, no, he knew what was going on. He went to rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knew that everyone there had to be vaccinated and take a negative COVID test. Okay. So they, and they had worked with the local health department. So it wasn't mm-hmm. just some shoddy production. Right. Um, it was, hmm. uh, it was up to code and, mm-hmm. you know, kosher and everything. So, okay. 
uh, I don't know. I don't know whose side I fall on here. Interesting. I'll have to dig into that um, mm-hmm. and see where I land. Um, because honestly, I, I I was I I mean my perception of it was that it was just a comedy bit that he was doing. But if he was uh-huh. saying that more seriously, then that opens up a whole other can of worms. I think. Well, at least based on what the producers are saying, mm-hmm. I I don't think they they took it as a joke. Okay. Yeah, it it does sound like damage control on their part. Mm-hmm. Um, and interesting. Um, I didn't see this, but uh, they were saying that um, they had to make an announcement, like at some point in the show, about how they did follow all the pro- protocols and it was mm-hmm. safe, and they the health department signed off on it. Mm-hmm. So they they yeah they were doing damage control like in okay. the show so oh wow okay yeah. and what's interesting is to my knowledge i think la has doesn't have that many restrictions in terms of like public uh, people gathering in public places mm-hmm. and everything so i don't know yeah i don't know i uh i forget um cuz it's always up and down and up and down right. everywhere so yep. it's hard to keep track of who's doing what right yeah, so that's interesting. My only comment, I didn't watch the Emmys or anything, but my only comment on it is a bit of a rant that I'm going to go on just really <laughs> quick. Um, So I don't know the act, the full name of the category, but I think it's like pre-recorded live performance or something like that. I know like where that. you're going with this. Yeah, yeah, and Hamilton won. Yes, it did. Now, I adore Hamilton. And I recognize that that performance, like capturing that on video, like the, it's not, it, they didn't just, <laughs> um, <laughs> Lin-Manuel Miranda's like mother wasn't in the back row with a, <laughs> with a tripod and a camera filming it and everything. Like this was a ma- massive production. They did so many things with, with the camera angles, the camera work and everything, the transitions, um, the timing of it all. Like it, it was a big production to, to, put it on film and put it on to Disney plus. However, it beat Bo Burnham's inside. Yes, it did. And that is honestly, it's, I mean, I'm, 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 uh, holding myself back from saying like just very big platitudes or very big, big, um, statements, but like, that's a travesty that is, that is unforgivable and and not like I don't under like I don't understand that at all like it, yeah well there's a cynical answer to that but oh yeah uh, it also beat uh, David Burden's American Utopia which I loved oh, which yeah. is another you know staged mm-hmm. uh, musical that was shot on film. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't shot, you know, four or five years ago. Right. So. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, like my big, my big issue with it isn't that it's a, it's a stage production that, that was done like in like 2016 or whenever it was, but it's, it's the fact that Bo Burnham didn't win. (laughs) And I say that not as, I'm not saying that as like, oh, I'm a Bo Burnham fan and the person that I'm a fan of didn't win. So I'm going to poo poo all over everything else. Not that's not the case. The reason why I feel like Bo Burnham's Inside should have won is because a it is he he like that it is a complete production that he did. Yeah. 
by himself and just the artistry of that the uh the attention to detail the meticulousness of it and even the meta the meta aspect of it with him um whether it's performative or not doesn't matter to me but him kind of exposing himself his his anxiety his his stress during lockdown in a global pandemic that was killing thousands of people and continues to kill many people yeah um because assholes but um but all of that like the complete the com- like from an artistic standpoint bo burnham's inside is is not only one of the best comedy specials i've ever seen in my entire life but it is something that literally transcends that format to it, be something new entirely the the artistry of it goes toe to toe with a you know multi you know however whatever their budget was Mm -hmm. uh production of hamilton on broadway oh yeah oh yeah but also the other big reason why is that the the way that that piece of art like Bo Burnham's Inside, the way that that as a singular piece of art mm-hmm. captures not only the kind of the the communal experience that we as people have undergone during a global pandemic. Yeah. Um, plandemic, if you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> but um, uh, but a global pandemic, but also... It, throws in like very very apropos very um uh very relevant. honest and relevant uh social commentary about technology our society our pop culture our like it's all encompassing and like Jeff Bezos Jeff Bezos <laughs> <laughs> uh, CEO entrepreneur <laughs> born in 1964 um but yeah i it's it is a remarkable piece of art and to think that it got there to see that it got the shaft is such a just such a disservice to it and yeah uh it yeah it 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 sucks it's a bummer hopefully yep. he uses this as fuel to make to uh direct another amazing movie yes i'm i'm yeah yeah um i'm really I think when when eighth grade came out, I said like I hope that he has more stories in him as a director and then he comes out with inside and I'm just like i I didn't know I wanted this. I didn't know I needed this, but I need it. And he's brilliant. Um, but also now that he has dropped out of that Larry Bird or Celtics yeah. show or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm curious if I, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know the ins and outs, but um, I'm curious if he is going to line up another project that he is in more control over. Um, we can only hope. I really hope so. We'll break it to you guys here first. Yes, we will. Um Okay, so I don't really have any other news or anything. The only other thing I had was a new Paranormal Activity is coming out <laughs> October 29th, but I feel yeah, like sure. you... Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's not you, really your bag. You know, so. I really liked the first one. Okay. Um, and I remember liking the second one a little bit less. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if I ever watched the third. Okay. But yeah, I really liked the first one. The third one is solid. And the fourth one is a bit off the rails, but I will say that it has, I think that that's like one of, um, is it Catherine Newton? Uh, one of her like early roles, she was in Blockers yeah, and yeah. 
uh, freaky. And like, I don't know. She's, she's like a really good up and coming actress. So, yeah. um, but yeah. And then I fell off after that, but <laughs> when it was announced and I shouldn't say this because I, it's not going to happen, but when it was announced, I was like, Oh, okay. So, uh, the new one, it's called Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. It's going to be on Paramount Plus on October 29th. And I was like, wow, that's like right around uh, Halloween. <laughs> and, and that's really good. And like when it was announced, I was like, there's, there's seven, that's going to be the seventh Paranormal Activity movie, which, oh, good Lord. yeah, which holy shit, it's going to be the seventh Paranormal Activity movie. <laughs> but also at the time I was like, there's seven weeks until then. <laughs> and the $5 Patreon tier, I do commentary tracks. Oh, no. Yeah, but I did. I was just like, I, I can't. I can't commit to that. But maybe like a week or two uh, before that, I might power through. Because I'm going to watch all of them again. Because I'm excited to watch it. Okay. Um. But yeah. So anyway. Yeah. That's that's coming down the pipe. Is it down the pipe or down the pike? Okay. Yeah. I'm shrugging my shoulders. Yes, I was just going to say, Ben <laughs> shrugged his shoulders, pizza is sleeping, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Toby the demon is just watching us record. <laughs> um, okay, so anyway, that's Paramount Plus, October 29th. Uh, we might have something on Patreon, we might have something on the feed, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, but I'm excited about it. October is a busy, busy month. Yes, it is. Yes. Which let's let's briefly before we get into our Cry Macho review, uh, talk a little bit about that because we've got No Time to Die, which I've said this before and I will say it again. Every time I hear that title, I think of I picture James Bond running late for work <laughs> and like going to like uh like walking down the sidewalk to get to like a Starbucks and then uh like people like interrupting him being like, Oh, James Bond, how's how's it going? And he's just like I I just I cannot die right now. <laughs> I cannot die right now. I need my coffee. Um, uh, yeah. Did you ever watch when he hosted Saturday Night Live? Um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. No, but okay. there is a Twitter account called The Weekend, where because one like one at least I don't know if he's hosted multiple times, but one of the times uh, the the musical act The Weekend was the mm-hmm. musical guest. Um, and there is you know I might try to go ahead and find it here because it's really um funny or it's really i don't know so uh there is a twitter account that it's like craig the weekend um let me find it here um okay it's at craig weekend and it's uh basically every friday uh they post this like two second video clip uh, of Daniel Craig hosting. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. And that's every Friday. They just they just post that. <laughs> that's all that they post. Um, so yeah, uh, but no. Anyway, so what? Uh, yeah, what did what did uh, your We're your anecdote October. about October? Oh, I was gonna. Uh, oh no, hosting I, SNL. I uh, I I have not watched it yet, but I just remember hearing okay. how funny it was. Nice. That's all. Okay. I haven't nice. watched SNL much lately. Yeah, I me neither. Um I do love Daniel Craig. Yes. Um yeah. Um yeah, so yeah, October we've got No Time to Die. October sixth, I think, is when it opens. Uh yeah, pretty yeah. much. Okay. I'm... Um yeah, and then we've got Halloween Kills, which I'm sure you're excited about. <laughs> of course, Dune. Yep. Big, big like that. 
Yeah, I'm. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, don't forget uh, Venom. There will be carnage. Oh yes, Venom. <laughs> there will be carnage, which I think is coming out October first. October first. Yeah. yeah, it got moved up. I think. Yeah, that's right. Um, okay, since you brought up Venom, uh, there will be carnage, and since you're not on Facebook, and so you couldn't see my uh, amazing post. <laughs> uh, so the beginning of. The first 39 seconds of uh, one of the trailers for Car- for for Venom, There Will Be Carnage, um, perfectly sums up my relationship with pizza. And so I'm going to play that here for all to hear. Lady, we should be out there snacking on bad guys. I am a predator. I need to be free. You have got to get control of your aggression, or you will get hauled off into Area 51. You live in my body. You live by my rules. I'm sorry. You don't know what came over me, please. Let me fix it. So I can fix it again. You are a loser. So I just feel like everything that Venom says there is wow. something my cat would say. Wow. Um, I'm a predator. You're a loser. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, let me see so I can break it again. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah. That is my only interest, really, in seeing Venom. Uh, there will be carnage. Let there be carnage. Yeah. Um, even though, I, I mean, the first one was surprisingly okay. Um, yeah, I have not seen it. I actually okay. just picked it up from the library today. So oh, I'll interesting. Try to watch it before that. Okay. But, um, also, uh, the Sopranos prequel, I think. Yeah. Maybe? The many saints curious of New about York. This. Yes. Yeah. You have never seen the Sopranos, right? I've, I've seen like the first five episodes, but okay. I might as well not to, cause I, I was, it was when I was going to the gym. And I would watch an episode on like the treadmill yeah. or the elliptical or what have you. Um, and then I immediately realized, oh, wait, this is an HBO show. <laughs> um, I can't I can't watch this at the gym in public. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I dropped off from that. Um, I was yeah. curious if you had any desire to watch it, if you and, have never seen the show. You know, that's that's an interesting question, because yeah. I've seen the trailer a few times and Obviously, like the Sopranos has such a pedigree and such such a such a um a big stake in pop culture as a reference point and everything. And it's it was a big it was a big cultural phenomenon. Yeah. And so on that hand, yes, I, I feel like at some point I will watch the Sopranos, but I just I I some point will. Um so in that respect, like I'm I'm very curious about this movie. <laughs> yeah. And every time I see the trailer, I'm like, this I mean I'm I'm fascinated by the fact that Gandolfini's son is playing young Tony Soprano. Right. Like that is that is endlessly fascinating to me. Um but I also just feel like it, there's like a little bit of I don't maybe I don't know if imposter syndrome is the right word but maybe like a little bit of low grade insecurity in me that's <laughs> like I haven't watched The Sopranos, so like this movie isn't for me. Right. So should I see it? Even though I mean it is a prequel, so I mean I there's. I'm yeah. sure there's going to be a lot of like references. Oh yeah. To the show. It, every time that I've seen the trailer, I'm like, oh okay, well they just referenced his uncle, whatever, and yeah. I'm like, oh that's probably a character that had a big <laughs> role in The Sopranos. Yeah. Um. Yeah. 
So I don't know. Uh, so have you watched The Sopranos? Nope. Okay. Are you going to see The Many Saints of Newark? Probably not. Okay. Have For you seen those the... same reasons. Gotcha. Have you seen the trailer though? No. Okay. Um, yeah, I would say check out the trailer because and see the see just as an experiment to see if you have a similar reaction to me because like I'm I'm very conflicted on whether or not I want to check it out or if it's something that I'll eventually watch when I eventually get to the Sopranos. Yeah. Um, which very very much could be never. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, that's coming out next month too. Um The French Dispatch. Oh and, yes. And uh Last Night in Soho. Oh, I keep very forgetting about Last about Night in Soho. Yeah. Damn. Um uh, what else? Not to mention the Heartland Film Festival. Yes. <laughs> um, of course. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah. It's funny because Mike uh will like usually every year mike will send me a message or or like he'll around this time of year he'll talk about like oh shocktober and like how you know he's he's watching a lot of horror movies and stuff and then uh he'll like ask me like oh how's your shocktober going and i'm like i i mean (laughs) i i cannot die right now um (laughs) no i'm just like i i mean i've got heartland stuff and new releases that Mm -hmm. aren't horror related like i i just don't have the time to really like sit down and just mainline a bunch of horror movies as right. much as I would love to. But yeah. yeah. And I, this is probably no one's going to care about this, <laughs> but uh, October 15th is a big deadline for us at work. Oh, so, okay. Uh, nobody has like forbidden me from taking off work around mm. that, that time. But uh, I, I don't, I can't. Okay. So it's like, a, it's like an understood rule. Yes. Pretty <laughs> yeah. much. If I want to ever work there again, oh, and wow. have health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I, I get that. I get that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. So October is a big get month. Get ready for lots of, uh, output from us. I know. Right. Not to mention another Roger Ebert's great movie. Yes. Yes. So. And we've got to do that too. <laughs> Damn. Um, not that I'm not excited about that, but so much on the plate and i'm really really hoping that we can pull off some good heartland content mm-hmm. um so yeah so look forward to that um yeah so any other uh, uh stuff to bring re- up? related mm-hmm. uh to heartland um i th- i believe i have a pack of five tickets since i was on the technically on the screeners team. oh nice um so if anyone out there wants a five pack of tickets uh be the ninth caller and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh no just uh send me a message and let me know mm-hmm. and i will nice. uh figure that out nice and where can people find you mm, they'll know <laughs> <laughs> uh ben's here's photo on instagram maybe the nice. easiest way okay yeah. nice um and failing that just message me and i will i will be the go-between yes <laughs> yeah uh all right cool nice i don't have any passes to give but uh i do um very strongly recommend that if you are in the area or if you are able to get virtual tickets because i don't i i i don't know if it's region locked or anything yeah i don't know but check it out because heartland's amazing yeah there's uh, some really great stuff oh yeah oh yeah um all right well i think we are ready to go into our first review of the evening ben are you ready to go go into our review of cry macho i'm ready 
All right. I was going to do a Clint Eastwood impression, but I no. chickened out. <laughs> eh, well, <laughs> it's the thought that counts. Um, <laughs> all right. So our first review tonight is going to be for the Clint Eastwood directed starring and did he? I don't think he wrote. He, he no, didn't he, write it. He did not. Um, but he produced it and everything, I think. Um, but anyway, Cry Macho, the new Clint Eastwood film, of course, we're going to do a non-spoiler and spoiler review. So I will put a clip from the trailer when we go into spoilers. If you want to, ch- if you want to jump over that, check the show notes for timestamps and, uh, everything. So, and it's also worth mentioning that Cry Macho is currently playing in theaters and is available on HBO Max, um, until October 10th, I believe. Um, so if you want to see the movie, check it out there or, you know. In several months, it'll probably be available on HBO Max again. So, oh, it's based on a book, apparently. Okay. Anyway, um, so the plot summary, courtesy of IMDb, is a one-time rodeo star and washed-up horse breeder takes a job to bring a man's young son home and away from his alcoholic mom. On their journey, the horseman finds... Redemption through teaching the boy what it means to be a good man. Uh, Cry Macho stars Clint Eastwood as Mike Milo, Dwight Yoakam as Howard Polk, and um, I'm trying to get to the kid. Um, <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Uh, Eduardo Minette as Raffo. Again, this was directed by Clint Eastwood and written by Nick Schenk. Uh, and N. Richard Nash. N. Richard Nash also wrote the novel that it's based on. So, Ben, um, Cry Macho, I feel like this has not come up in our conversations <laughs> on or off mic at all. And to be honest, I threw this suggestion out because I saw that it was available on HBO Max, and I was like, I didn't realize it was on HBO Max, so <laughs> maybe we can review it. Um, so having said that, what were your... What like what what were your um I don't know your interest level what was your interest level in this movie before I I threw you into the deep end with it <laughs> uh, absolute zero nice. um, I had no plans to watch it I mm-hmm. had not watched the trailer um, I am I'm sure like you but mm-hmm. mixed on Clint Eastwood as a director I was gonna ask yeah uh, especially lately mm-hmm. um, I never watched the mule and from everything I've heard I've heard that's a good thing um, <laughs> yeah I don't know um, Clint Eastwood is an interesting director and I think this mm-hmm. one is it has its moments uh, mm-hmm. certainly but uh, I don't know <sighs> If he is the right director for this, uh, maybe a different director could have done something better with the material. Okay. I don't know. Interesting. Um, so as far as Clint Eastwood as a director is concerned, I mean, I mean the, the thing that everyone is talking about, obviously, is the man is 91 years old. Yes. And he is still directing. He's still starring and producing in films and everything. And so, like... I'll kind of just run down some of the recent stuff that he's done. Richard Jewell in 2019, which I enjoyed well enough. I thought it was fine. I, I really, really like, um, uh, Oh God. Um, Paul, <laughs> Paul Walter, Walter Hauser. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's, just, he's, he's an incredible, uh, uh, actor. So it was really cool to see a vehicle for him. Still um, haven't gotten around to seeing that one yet. It's, it's, it's solid. It's, it's very yeah. solid. Um, and then the mule I saw, honestly, I, I don't really remember anything about it. Um, 
I did not see the 1517 to Paris. Me neither. I saw trailers for it and like the big, so, and this might be a little bit of a tangent, but it will feed into our review. I think his directing style, like it is known that he, he, if he's not like a one take director, he is a director who shoots as few takes as possible. Right. And from what I've heard, he's like a nine to five director. Uh huh. <laughs> and that, on one hand, I can understand how he is, he's of such an advanced age and able to do that. Like, I, like, if it works for him, that's great. That's amazing. Yeah. But also, man, it, it shows in his <laughs> movies. Like, yeah. Him not get, like, it's, it's, to me, as someone who has never directed anything in my life, <laughs> I feel like that that method is like it's it's lazy. I like I think that there's a justification that either he said or people have said in defense of it that oh it's just, it's so that he can get the most raw performance and everything. It's like okay, well sure, but also your job as director is to get <laughs> performances get out of their the best performers. performance. Yes, like that's. It's so it's so weird. Uh, also, yeah. to our um, <laughs> Patreon question, if we could program like a double feature at a film festival, it would be interesting to do a double feature of a Clint Eastwood movie and a David Fincher movie. Yes, you know, I was I was just about to say he's like the anti David Fincher. Yes. yes. Oh yeah. Um, still haven't seen Mank, um, <laughs> but um, but yeah. So so in the thing with the fifteen seventeen to Paris is that it from what I understand it is a true. A yes. true story. And he had the actual people perform them as themselves. Yes. And like, I can't imagine how, like, even in the trailer, it just looked god awful because you have a director who does not pull performances from, from his actors uh, directing a movie with people who are not actors. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine just the shit show of that. It's it's almost like a, a kind of meta statement mm-hmm. of these people almost having to le- relive their trauma yeah so it's kind of a psycho uh psycho performative kind of thing I right don't know. but uh yeah. yes that that directorial style uh for the most part did not work in cry macho oh oh 100% <laughs> agree even and and i i hate to I'm going to I'm going to kind of dance around this a little bit because I don't want it to seem like it's ageist or anything mm-hmm. but I feel like it especially in those early scenes I don't know what I don't know I don't know when they were shot in terms of the production order or anything but early on it just felt like it felt so disconnected like his performance and the performance of others in scenes with him just felt so just like that scene that that plays really well in the trailer where he tells Dwight Yoakam, like, uh, you know, I, um, I have always thought that you were a slimy, you know, piece of shit or whatever, yeah. but uh, there's no reason to be rude or something. Like, that's a great line, but he delivers it so flatly oh. and it just feels like it's, I, I don't know. And then there were, there were scenes where it was clear, like they, they were not doing, uh, they were not choreographing movement that well, so they had to kind of really cut around it, <laughs> and that was jarring. And and I'm yeah. sure it was partially because he's a 90-ish year old guy, right. and he very clearly, even with the creative 
blocking mm-hmm. and staging uh very clearly cannot move very yeah. easily yeah uh, which i don't fault him for that <laughs> in contrast to that there is a scene where it's obviously clearly has to be a, yeah. a double where yeah. he's riding a horse <laughs> and like he it's it's like he's he's you know i think he's like breaking a horse and he's like riding the horse in the little mm-hmm. like uh fenced in area and like i've got to say as much as i i didn't really care for this movie spoiler alert i did not like this movie that much and i don't even really have that strong a connection with clint eastwood as this western star but seeing him or, you know, a body double of him riding the horse and then the scene where he is like actually on the like he himself is on the horse and it's kind of stationary. Seeing that and with the cowboy hat and everything, I was like, I I just want to disappear in all of his Westerns. I want to sure. I want to watch all of it because it's right. It, there's something just so uh, significant about that imagery in this movie. Um, so that really stood out to me. But honestly, I don't really know if much else did. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about the movie overall and 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 his his performance in, in relation to the kid and the kid's performance in relation to him? Well, to go back, uh, that scene, I think it's like the first scene with him and Dwight Yoakam mm-hmm. is just bad. Yeah. It's so bad. Mm-hmm. It's just all exposition and it's delivered yes. so badly. Um, and then there's this awkward... CGI moment where it zooms in on a newspaper clipping. Yeah. It, it was so dumb and bad. And I I was ugh. I was initially kind of into that. Oh. But I was into that when it happened and then when it stopped and that's the, the only instance of anything like that in the entire movie. Yes, yes. I was just like, okay, that that's weird to me. Like it was uh-huh. it was interesting. I thought it was going to go into like a full-fledged flashback. Yes. But it doesn't. It just shows it and then, <laughs> right. and then it goes away. Um so yeah, so But um to yeah. answer your question, I mm-hmm. I think this is a movie of two halves that are mm-hmm distinctly different from each other the first half is boring and slow as shit yes and the second half meandering the second half i think actually has something interesting to say okay and it's all about like this guy who finds purpose with something he i guess didn't know that he had Mm -hmm. um he's and it's not i feel like most movies would see him like finding as commonality with him and this kid and mm-hmm. it doesn't really play out like that i don't think mm-hmm. like, tell me if i'm wrong or not but um it doesn't totally play out like that like it he's he finds um people and things that can interest him mm-hmm. that he didn't know he he could do uh, yeah. that, that's almost a complete 180 from what he's known for almost all of his life, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's something that one of the big things that I honestly really, really wish there was more of. And mm-hmm. it, it goes back to um, this kind of almost meta aspect of the movie in that it's Clint Eastwood. And Clint yeah. Eastwood has such a storied career and a storied history and like his heyday, his like he became a massive star 
doing spaghetti westerns and doing these tough guy roles and everything and these very stoic stoic western archetypes and i would be remiss if i didn't say just throwing it out there guys but my favorite like my one of my favorite pieces of art um, probably my favorite is the dark tower series by stephen king and the i mean the gunslinger in that series is modeled after clint eastwood hmm. um and yeah but anyway so he has this level of this this reputation of his career this storied career and the movie has several scenes although not enough scenes of him talking to the kid and the kid is this 13 year old boy who is uh kind of mixed up with the wrong crowd i guess or he has had a troubled upbringing yeah and he's kind of he's you know he's he's on a path that will lead to just him being like a um a criminal and 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 you know just a wayward teen and he has this whole spiel about how um the the kid is very con- very um focused on like the kind of classic uh masculine kind of idea this toxic masculinity that right. you have to be macho and tough and there are scenes where Clint Eastwood's character tells him like that doesn't make you tough like being macho doesn't make you tough that that's not what makes you a good person and i like if the movie had concentrated on that as the central theme and focused on that throughout the entire movie, I think this could have been just much, much better for me. Yes. Um, especially with it coming from Clint Eastwood, who, like I said, has this pedigree, has this career and everything like that would have been just really, really uh, fascinating on a just kind of analytical level. But but we don't get enough of that. <laughs> right. Like that's in contention with his backstory, which the one like good scene of the movie is him talking uh on on the pew in the in the um little church thing. The yes. um yeah, where he and again, just the imagery of it's uh, freaking amazing. Him with the cowboy hat tipped down as he's mm-hmm. about to go sleep and he's telling the story of his his um friendship or relationship with uh Rafa's uh father Rafa or Ralph Rafi I don't know the kids yeah father and like that's like that's amazing and I'm just like why why can't we have that performance throughout the whole movie and the subtext and theme of you know toxic masculinity and and growing up be the central theme and we don't need all the excess stuff so right. I don't know I was thinking about that too like mm-hmm. It would this movie be any better with a different actor in it, like someone mm. who was fifteen or twenty years younger who could do the physicality or oh, yeah. maybe act a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at the same time, it doesn't have without Clint Eastwood. It doesn't have, like you said, the 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 preconceived notions that we right. have for Clint Eastwood. Yeah, so, it doesn't have that that background that. Yes. Um, strength behind it right yeah i agree and and honestly like i said if if that was the focus of the movie i would forgive it like the the very kind of touchy and jagged uh kind of i don't want to call them set pieces because they're not action set pieces or anything like that but like the physicality 
being cut around and everything, uh, I would be more forgiving to that if the central theme of the movie and the ideas that are presented in those few scant scenes were the focal point. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, it's not. And like you said, I mean, I was I was bored through a lot of this movie. Yeah. Um, I think once yeah. it gets to, I forget when exactly this is, but once they get to the town mm-hmm. where they spend the second half or yeah. whatever in once they get there it picks up but be everything yeah. before that is just rough it it really is and again like like you said it's not only that first scene with Dwight Yoakam but mm-hmm. in like a lot of that of that early portion it's a ton of exposition yes it is it is so much exposition and it's just oh it it's it's grueling to get through because it's not like the on one hand, like the times where the dialogue is actually decent, which mm-hmm. is kind of few and far between, it's delivered in such a just lifeless kind of <laughs> way. Like there's no, there's not much emoting. Yeah. 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 I forget uh, the the name of the kid, but he didn't do so great in my book either. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if this is, he, he kind of tends to pick like unknown, mm-hmm. uh, actors for some of the smaller roles but yeah uh i don't know if this was like his first role or one of his first roles or i i don't remember seeing him anywhere before yeah this is his fifth acting credit um it looks like he has been he was in one short film um let's see from mexico obviously and he was in a couple of like Six episodes in one show, seven episodes in another mm. show, and one episode in another. Okay. Um, which, yeah, and it, like I said, I think that that is setting the film up for failure. Yeah. Um, because he could be a talented actor. He could be. He could be a strong actor, but unless he is like a genius level, like acting savant. Hmm. Clint Eastwood is not interested in getting that out of him. Right. Yeah. It's just, it is so bewildering to me. Like, and I, and I say that like, just, just from the knowledge that I have of him doing as few takes as possible as one take. I don't know what his rehearsal plan is like. I, Mm -hmm. he could hash all of that out and like rehearsing and everything, but I mean, come on in the moment you have to at least direct that's 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 the gig. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what you do. It's a yep. directing. Oh, yeah. It's so it was it was it was really frustrating. Yeah. How did you feel about the rooster acting? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Looked tasty. Yes, yes. The uh and, and even that like the couple of times where Clint Eastwood's character makes like these little remarks about mm-hmm. wanting to eat him and everything. I'm just like it's just like he's not a mo- like there's not it's not like this this yeah. kind of winky kind of funny thing. It's I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I guess this was my first uh thought like like I said, I didn't know what this movie was mm-hmm. uh going into it. So I I didn't know that it was mostly going to be set in Mexico. Yeah. And uh based on Clint Eastwood's prior movies, especially like Gran Torino, mm-hmm. I was set up to be uh, 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 worried about their, uh, portrayals of Mexicans. Sure, sure. <laughs> and, uh, Clint Eastwood's interactions with them. Mm-hmm. So 
Uh, I will say, I don't know if this is just how low the bar has gotten with him, but <laughs> right. I was surprised and uh, glad there weren't a whole ton of uh, Mexican stereotypes I, or I asides. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah. Kudos I... for not being overtly <laughs> racist. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. Um do you want to go into spoilers for Cry Macho, or is there anything that we can discuss in non-spoilers? Um, uh, is there anything to spoil with this? Um, not really, but I have the trailer queued up. Okay, <laughs> so, all right. There, um, there is one scene at the end that I think I I could talk about. Okay, but yeah, yeah, me too. There are a couple of a couple of things I kind of want to touch on in spoilers. Okay, so we're gonna go into spoilers for Cry Macho. If you want to skip those, check the show notes for timestamps. Or if you don't really care, like we said, there's not really much to spoil in this movie. It is kind of a drag. It's kind of a boring movie. Um, uh, go ahead and just keep listening. But here is a clip from the trailer to give you time to jump around on the timeline. Back when we had winners, I was afraid of losing you to the competition. Five times you won the All-American. That was a long time ago, wasn't it? That was before the accident. <laughs> before the booze. You know how many people exposition. told me to just cut yeah. you loose? You gonna say anything? Howard, I've always thought of you as a small, weak, and gutless man. But you know, there's no reason to be rude. You owe me, Mike. You gave me your word. And that used to mean something. My son, Rafael, he's in trouble. I want to get him out of Mexico. <laughs> you want me to go down there and kidnap him? Please, just get him back up here. Just you? Just me. So, spoilers on for Cry Macho. Um, ben, we just heard about 90% of Dwight Yoakam's <laughs> lines in the movie. How do We I, didn't really touch on that. How do you feel about his performance? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, you know, I, next time I come over here, I'm mm. going to uh, print out a, a transcript of that scene, and <laughs> we are going to yes. uh, reenact it and see if we oh, can do yeah. better. <laughs> well, there's no reason to be rude. Um, but yeah, like, and we were laughing. I don't know if I'll keep that in, in the recording, but like, it is like even in the marketing, it's just like they pick yeah. the most exposition heavy thing. It's it's that's really frustrating. But um so your comments or your your um position on this movie about it being like kind of two halves of or, or halves of two movies and everything, mm -hmm. really like that's that's spot on. Cause like when they get to the town, it's like it's almost like the movie resets and is a completely different movie. Right. And like we we spend so much time setting up this whole dynamic with with uh, the kid and with his mother, right. which that I that alter like the only purpose that those scenes with her served, I feel was to manufacture this weird uh, uh, possessive kind of angle with the kid mm -hmm. to give them some kind of manufactured drama of them being on the lamb of sorts, right and. and also to set up that interaction at the end, which was just kind of lifeless and dull. Is is she a a, uh, a member of like a cartel or a drug kingpin or something? I or is she just 
I guess she has to be because she's in that big fancy house. Yeah, I I think that I think that's the implication, but they really don't they don't explore that at all. Yeah, Um, I did make I I did make a joke in my head that I haven't said or anything. It's not no, it's not offensive, but (laughs) (laughs) so the mule is a movie about Clint Eastwood's character smuggling drugs out of Mexico into um into the US uh for a cartel or whatever. Yeah. And then Cry Macho is about him going into Mexico to retrieve um to retrieve a person and uh bring them across the border. Um so I I like if he named the first movie The Mule, I don't know why he didn't name this one Coyote mm-hmm. um or The Coyote. Um but yeah, I don't know. Or I thought at that least kind of... the chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I I just I ugh, yeah, it was it was it was a drag. This this yes. movie was such such a a narrative mess for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what I was getting at because, like I said in non spoilers, if they had excised the whole cartel mother thing and focused on you know, the bond between the kid and, and Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood, like trying to impart in him the knowledge that he himself, you know, has learned through his life to steer him away from that. I mean, that would be pretty, um, archetypical. That would be kind of cliched, but it would at least be a cohesive thing. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, yeah. What do you want to bring up in spoilers? Well, the only thing that I was really thinking of is, the scene near the end, almost at the end, where the police are tailing them and they have to yeah. pull over to the side of the road and then the police like start searching their car mm-hmm. for drugs, which they don't have. Right. And then they leave. <laughs> yes. When they don't find any drugs. Yeah. And I don't understand what the point of that I, freaking scene was. I I don't either. Yeah. Um they were they were tailing them, but I don't know why they were tailing them. I think it's be well, the the police the whole time are kind of after them because yeah. I guess the implication is that the mom is connected mm-hmm. and told the police to find him and kill him. Yeah, I I think you're right. And that's uh, I don't know. And yeah, I, I don't know. It was, that was just. Cause oh, it, yeah. I guess it's supposed to have tension because yeah. you think that they are going to take him in, but mm-hmm. it just, I guess just the way that it's filmed mm-hmm. just doesn't have any of that. Yeah. And like, and I feel like the tension, like it is, it is partially due to just honestly just poor directing yeah. from Eastwood like blanket statement it it's not a it's not a well directed movie it does not have a strong narrative flow it's not it's it's not uh compelling or interesting in that respect but also the screenplay <laughs> mm-hmm. the dialogue is atrocious like it is i think in that scene or it might be in another scene i think uh, they're like, all right, well, we're going to find drugs. And when we do, you're going to spend the rest of your life in a Mexican prison. Right. Or I think the mother says that earlier. I don't know, but I'm just like, okay, just plainly state <laughs> the stakes and have 
freaking one take of this actor <laughs> delivering that line. So it's the most flat and lifeless line. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's so, it's, it was, it was aggravating to me. It was really aggravating to me. This, this is even more inconsequential, but I noticed mm. this, uh, in the moment, uh, when he is going to Mexico, mm-hmm. there's a, a bit where there's a car full of sexy ladies about <laughs> yeah. to cross the border and the, the border agent is kind of like checking him out, yeah. and, you know, flirting or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they just drive off and then he's <laughs> just all business with Clint Eastwood. Yeah. And it, you never see any of them again. I, just <laughs> that, that's the frustrating part. Like yeah. that, that does not come into, maybe, that does not bear any. Maybe it anything. was just supposed to be a comedic bit, but it wasn't I, funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think so too. My rationalization of that is that it was supposed to be, it was intended as a comedic bit, which Honestly, in contrast or in comparison with the rest of the movie, <laughs> it maybe got a a, a a soft exhale from my nostrils oh. um, from that, uh, which in comparison with the rest of the movie is like me gasping for air, laughing my ass off. <laughs> but I also think that it might have some kind of subtext to it where and and it's another failure of the movie that if this is the intention, it should have been represented throughout the entire movie. But I feel like the, the border agents complete change in behavior to talking to Clint Eastwood, where he's just very business and very, just like very, uh, kind of not noticing him or Mm -hmm. not really paying close attention to him. I feel like maybe there's some kind of commentary about aging there. Cause there's of such, such drastic, uh, contrasting in age of age like the young girls and sure. then now him but i don't know what point they're making like that okay, feels yeah. like a bit, bit of a stretch yeah <laughs> especially especially because like i said it's it's not present really in the movie yeah uh, at all in the rest of the movie yeah yeah so i don't know i could be just doing a lot of heavy lifting for it <laughs> um how'd you feel about marta and and like all of that that kind of uh, that connection, which I feel like is probably the strongest, like, connection, character connection. Yeah. But how'd you feel about all that? Yeah, same here. Um, I, I liked her scenes with Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the prospect of, uh, seeing more of them mm-hmm. together, uh, cause that's kind of where the movie ends. Mm-hmm. Um, so cry macho too. There, uh, <laughs> let there be, um, uh, I don't know, chicken. Yeah, yeah. Let there be roosters. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the other thing that kind of, I don't know if it bothered me, but it was just kind of a weird choice how she doesn't speak English. I yeah. don't know. I I guess it it feels authentic, mm-hmm. but still, I I I liked that. I, I, I was, I, I didn't dislike that. Okay. Um, what I think I liked more, or I think that it paid, I think that that is paid off pretty well with, uh, the reveal that one of the girls is deaf oh, and yeah. he can sign. Mm-hmm. So like, I just felt like that was a really, that was a, that was a very tender moment in that he, like he has this, this 
uh, language barrier, and then he suddenly like, oh, he can actually communicate with at least one person there. Uh huh. Um. So yeah, I don't. Know. I I uh, just got the idea of a, a crossover. Oh with God, Clint, Clint Eastwood in this movie, <laughs> and and then moving to Coda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, the immediate thing I went to is um, is Clint Eastwood driving in a car with the father from Coda, talking about uh, or telling him um, telling him how to handle his jock itch. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking he could uh, he could replace the choir teacher and then oh, could yeah. hear <laughs> more of Clint Eastwood singing. <laughs> right? Yes. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah, and, and really the only thing, uh, the only other thing I have to say on, on spoilers for, for Cry Macho is that weird, like, scene where, where they, um, where the kind of henchman runs them off the road and they yeah. have that whole thing. That, I mean, talk about a scene that feels like it's, feels like a like a note or something or like a like a reshoot or something that's like oh hey nothing is happening in this movie let's have this yeah um yeah yeah how did you feel about that uh yeah that that feels accurate because don't go into this expecting an action movie right and you know there's something to be said about that like you don't you don't need it to be an action movie but um uh, yeah, I I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I I forget even at what point that came along. That came along near the end, like okay. very near the end. And then, yeah, uh, it's like it's like before they obviously before they get to the border. But it's mm-hmm. like it's like the last like big moment okay. in the movie. But even before that, when like I don't understand why this why this this other scene exists, but like. They, uh, their car gets stolen and mm-hmm. they steal a car and then they drive past, uh, police that are towing out their car that was right. stolen. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so like, what's the point of that? Like, why? I don't, I, sure, okay. I don't understand what you're trying to say with this. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It was, it, it, it just felt like a very listless and directionless movie. Um, yeah. 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 Um, do we have any final thoughts for Cry Macho? Uh no. Uh okay. I I don't expect to uh ever think about this movie again or ever rewatch it again. Honestly, so. same with me. Same it's it's like the mule all mm-hmm. over again. Like I, I I saw the mule. I don't know I don't remember much about it. Um yeah. I'm actually surprised that when I was looking at the at his directing credits, I'm surprised that Richard Jewell came out after The Mule. Like, I mean, obviously it makes sense, like, yeah. you know, given it and everything. But this just feels, this feels as dull as The Mule was to me. So, yeah, it's one of those movies that down the road I'll be like, oh, yeah, we reviewed that. Okay, <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, so... Right. I'll always treasure this memory. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, same here. Uh, okay, so that's our review of Cry Macho. Next up, we're going to be talking about Dear Evan Hansen. 
Okay, so Dear Evan Hansen is um, in theaters now. Um, and September 24th, it is, was released in theaters. I believe it's only in theaters, right? Right. And yeah. it premiered at the Toronto Film Festival. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Open the festival. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it is directed by Stephen Chbosky. I, I never know how to pronounce his name. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, uh, written screenplay by Stephen Levinson based on the musical stage play with book by him. Um, and the plot summary. Oh, by the way, it stars. Uh, well, I'll say that. I'll save that for after the summary. Courtesy of IMDb, the plot summary for Dear Evan Hansen is film adaptation of the Tony and Grammy Grammy award-winning musical about Evan Hansen, a high school senior with social anxiety disorder, and his journey of self-discovery and acceptance following the suicide of a fellow classmate. Uh, Dear Evan Hansen stars Ben Platt as Evan Hansen, Julianne Moore as Heidi Hansen, uh, Caitlin Deaver as Zoe Murphy, Amy Adams as Cynthia Murphy, and um, a slew of other supporting actors... Um, in the film. So Ben, um, what was, what were your, um, what were your thoughts going into Dear Evan Hansen? Did you have any prior experience with, I'm assuming not, I'm assuming you had no experience with the musical, but uh, did you have any prior experience with like the songs or anything? Nope. Okay. And so what was your interest level with going into this movie? Um, mostly none. Um, just only as a kind of a sideshow mm-hmm. uh curiosity piece i guess um because i remember hearing the i guess the backlash when it was first announced that ben platt would be uh doing this um and still not being totally interested but just mm-hmm. knowing that yeah so I, I don't even think I knew what the story was uh, when yeah. when I first heard the announcement. So, yeah, I I never I didn't know what the story was until the trailer. Yeah. Um. And then yeah, like you like you said, there was a lot of, um, I guess backlash, but also like just just <laughs> internet dunking on mm-hmm. Ben Platt for yeah. playing the role, which which so I don't I don't subscribe to that as 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 really worthwhile worthwhile discussion in terms of criticism we'll talk about it obviously but i i don't think it ultimately has any real bearing on the movie itself but it is pretty apparent <laughs> like it is it is distracting from the outset yeah um because he is i think like 27 or 28 um uh 27 i think okay but also there also it's not first of all it's it's not like Movies and TV shows haven't cast uh, the severely elderly um, <laughs> as yes. teenagers, um, but also this is a role that he that he has performed mm-hmm. uh, and uh, like throughout like its run on Broadway, I believe. Um, he won a Tony for it, I think. Probably, yeah, at like a young age and everything. So. If they were going to cast anyone, like if they were going to cast an older person to play Evan Hansen, like obviously I think it's it's worth uh, casting the person who uh, is known for playing Evan Hansen. Sure. Um, 
but yeah, so so we will talk about the distracting thing <laughs> and some of the stupid jokes that I made to myself. But um, <laughs> my interest level in it was I'd heard kind of whispers about the musical and like I, I knew that it was like a, a pop culture kind of maybe not it's not like a hamilton grade um phenomenon i think and yeah. i don't really know much about the theater world or anything but it is something that has been kind of uh, that i've crossed paths with in terms of pop culture references and i didn't know what the plot was until i saw that first trailer and um i was honestly intrigued hmm. like it's it's an interesting in theory it was an interesting hook for the for the um for the movie to kind of reel me in just a little bit out of curiosity because it's a, a, to go further than the IMDb um uh uh description it's it's about a kid who is um who who is re- given an assignment from his therapist to write a letter to himself that is an affirm uh, uh an affirming uh positivity thing and so he types it out Dear Evan Hansen, writes it all out. Sincerely, me. And then he, um, it is it is taken by this troubled classmate, this troubled youth, who ends up killing himself. And the family believes that the letter was something that their dead son had written to Evan Hansen, mm-hmm. and it creates this uh, very gross, morally bankrupt. <laughs> um, level of just deception and uh manipulation and selfishness that i don't feel like the movie recovers from in a meaningful way nope so yeah so it's something so we'll talk non-spoilers and we'll do a spoiler section and everything but ben in overall terms broad terms how did you feel about dear evan hansen um, and you have to recite it in iambic pentameter, <laughs> and I will play. I, will I lay down a beat for you. <laughs> I'm gonna start out by talking, and then slowly start to sing, <laughs> nice. and then I'll go back to talking nice. for a, a minute. Yeah, and then I'll sing while crying. Make yes. sure you cry. <laughs> um, I probably should have asked you, like, what what's your position on musicals anyway? <laughs> um, I like them for okay. the most part. Yeah, uh, we briefly talked about uh, in the Heights earlier this year. Yes, really like that one. Yeah. Um, that might I might have only thrown that up on Patreon for the ten dollar level. Well, then incentive. people need to get uh, on there so yes, they can hear it. Yes, um, it's but, a parking lot special. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I like them for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not my like number one genre, but mm-hmm. um, I'm excited for West Side Story this year. Mm-hmm. I still haven't seen Annette. But I oh, am yeah. excited for that one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Tick Tick Boom is coming out this year. Oh yeah, uh, as well. And so I, I know nothing about that mm-hmm. one, but I'm curious as well. How did you feel about La La Land? Because if I remember correctly, I think the you know the writer of the music for this mm-hmm. or writer songwriters <laughs> wrote the music for La La Land. Yes, and uh, it's it's kind of funny. That's like. The you know they they say like from the director of mm-hmm. blank from the producer yeah. of blank it's from the songwriter of <laughs> La La Land and I think uh, Greatest Showman oh yeah so yeah. that that's all they have to bank on this but well yeah and I, I that's funny and I get that but also I do think that 
La La Land was was a big hit, mm-hmm. and I've heard great things about The Greatest Showman. So I understand the marketing of that. Yeah. Um, that honestly, to, to be honest, caught my eye a little bit and made me a little more interested. In oh, it. <laughs> yeah. Um, to answer your question, I love La La Land. Nice. I, I know that it's popular to dunk on it, but right. I I love it. Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and overall, <laughs> I there was a brief couple moments when I thought that this was the worst movie of the year that I've seen. Oh, interesting. But then I remembered that the Space Jam sequel came out. So, <laughs> and nice. I, I don't think anything's going to top that. So, yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that this is in, is in league with the worst I've seen of this year. I have seen 36, um, 2021 releases and my lowest rated one is uh on letterbox oh yeah oh god um is infinite oh um, okay yeah on on paramount plus um infinite and voyagers um and dear evan hansen and jungle cruise oh and boy settlers but i feel kind of i don't know that has a little bit more merit i guess um but yeah uh it's it's yeah. It's um, not great. No, it, it's really to, not. To get back to um when you had said that uh the 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 plot when they mm-hmm. they discover the letter and mm-hmm. they think that he is best friends with him. This is a movie that should last fifteen minutes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And <laughs> I'm gonna sound super condescending, but Amy Adams, bless her heart. Um, oh boy. <laughs> she is saddled with some of the worst dialogue I've seen this side of Cry Macho. Yes. Um, <laughs> which was 24 hours after watching, <laughs> before watching Dear Evan Hansen. Um, like that scene where they're, where where they are uh, talking to him in, in the principal's office. Yeah. Which first of all, minor nitpick, but what, like what educator, what <laughs> administrative official for a school just leads this kid into this just complete like a bomb of a bombshell yes like oh hey this kid's parents are here to see you oh okay that's that's weird doesn't um, say why okay. yeah and then and then doesn't stay in the room with them yeah <laughs> and then it's just these parents are just like oh hey our son killed himself so there are yeah. so many just leaps in logic here so that just many. destroy the movie yeah we and, uh, and totally i'm gonna i for one i'm gonna rant about the stuff with him and Zoe, but yeah. we'll get to that. But like in terms of like Amy Adams, like having it's, it is so weird. It's so strange because she has this, she has like this weird leap in dialogue where it's like, um, like in that scene, it like this made me cringe and laugh to myself. But, uh, when he's like, no, 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 he didn't write this letter and everything. And then she lifts up his sleeve and says, oh, he signed your cast. And then mm-hmm. she's like, you were a special friend. You were, <laughs> you were, you were the best friend he had. And I'm just like, what? Like, <laughs> I, okay. And like the movie presents it. And then later when they have him over di- for dinner, she's like, oh, you must have good stories and about him and everything about what a good person he is. It's like, Yes, I understand. She is a grieving mother yeah. who ha- there there is a wealth of 
or a well of like grief in that character that could have been mined for that performance and everything. Mm -hmm. But with it not having that level of dramatic flair in the performance or that level of subtext, which I mean, which I take that, which when I say that, I mean any level of subtext (laughs) um, in the dialogue, it just does not work. It just comes across as so hokey. (laughs) There, uh, Right after that scene, uh, I think uh, Ben Platt is talking with his friend. Mm-hmm. Um, his and, family friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I I made sure to write this down because I thought mm-hmm. it was just hilarious. He says, mm-hmm. I've never seen anyone so sad before. And he's talking about that, <laughs> that meeting. Oh, my God. In I forgot the, about that. In the principal's office. And it's like, really? <laughs> like. Oh, my God. Just. There was, it wasn't really that sad of a scene. Well, also. No one was crying. Also, the fact that he's talking about a woman who just lost her son to suicide. (laughs) And also, like, this is a theme later on about how his mom and dad divorced when he was younger. Yeah. And he's very cognizant of that and those, those moments. Yep. Like you, you've never seen your mom that sad before. Right. You're, <laughs> yeah. It's so it oh it was just God. dumb. And yes, yeah. it was a tossed off line, but yep. it was just dumb to me. It's 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 like it, it's like the movie is saying, uh, well, okay, well, we didn't really capture the the sadness and grief here, so let's just <laughs> let's just to just to be safe, let's have him say that they were sad. Yeah, it's just yeah, like, that'll what? work. Yeah, and I I have to wonder so. The the person who wrote the musical wrote the screenplay. Yes. I haven't and, looked to see his... And I think he wrote the book that the musical was based on as well. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that there was a... I, I don't know if it was a book or a short okay. story or... Yeah, because in the credits when it, when I read it, um, I thought that it just meant like the musical, uh, musical stage play with book by. Mm-hmm. And I took that to mean um, like the book of the musical. Like musicals have... Sure. Like the book, stage directions and stuff, and then music. So, like, uh, I forgot to mention that Justin Paul and Benj Pasek uh, were the are the uh, people who wrote the music and lyrics. Yeah. So anyway, um, I wonder if so. Stephen Levinson is is the writer of the uh, screenplay and book. Um, huh. Um, so. I'm looking at his credits. I mean, he has writing credits for Masters of Sex, uh, Fosse Verdi. Oh, he developed Fosse Verdi, Verdin. Um, he doesn't have a writing credit there. And that show Vegas, um, in the Playboy Club. Uh, so he had, so what I'm getting at is that he has some screenwriting experience, but I have to wonder if the just really, really ham-fisted dialogue and incredibly just like out of sync writing for this movie. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that is a situation where uh, in adapting it from a stage production to a filmed production, there was something lost there or something that he carried over from there to make it more on the surface. See, and that's, I've been reading some reviews that, wonder about that as well like okay. how did this go from 
a Tony went like it was yeah. huge. Oh, it yeah. won several Tonys. Mm-hmm. Uh and it was, you know, it it had several revivals or uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, um, whatever tours, it's called. I guess. Yeah, tours. Yeah. Um uh like it's it's lasted a while and people loved it. Mm-hmm. So how did it go from that to this? Right. Like, is it just something that played better on stage where I, things are a little more heightened or I've got to assume that that's the case. Cause like, cause I mean it, to play devil's advocate, if some of those scenes, if I were in the audience of a, of a stage of a, of a musical, mm-hmm. um, I would be more forgiving because there is a certain level of directness that is kind of bred into the theater um, and I think that that is, it's not, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a different medium. It's a different medium for performance art. Yeah. And I think that the lack, like not just not making an effort to, uh, to do really any subtext or anything, um, for the film is really, really frustrating. Um, it, it yeah. makes me morbidly curious to see the stage play, to me see too. the differences. Yeah. Not, not only like, I, I don't know what the story differences would be, mm-hmm. but like the songs, the, I don't know. Yeah. And, wh- and then what I'm really interested in is here in a few years, if they do that, then that will get like, if they, oh, yeah. if they put it on like Disney plus that will get, that will be like Bo Burnham's like even more inside <laughs> uh special <laughs> yeah. for an Emmy. Yep. Um but yeah, I I did see an article. I didn't read it or anything. I kind of skimmed it a little bit, but I did see that there there were some big differences in in the uh at least in the narrative between the musical mm. and in the movie. So, I think from what I skimmed, uh both mothers, uh Evan Hansen's mother and Connor's mother, they have bigger arcs in in the musical hmm. okay um which yeah that that's something um the i do have to okay let me let, let's let's comment just really quickly about the age thing <laughs> <laughs> um at the start it was distracting for me yeah um because it just it looks like he has like very caked caked on makeup or or i don't know what the what like what the intricacies of that but it looked like they tried to make him look young and it just didn't work mm-hmm. and like the whole time i'm thinking like okay well caitlin deaver she's got to be like 18 or something right. so that's weird and i looked it up she's like 25 26 she's only a couple years younger than him and like i think the problem with that is that she has much more of a youthful look than he does so there's right. that disconnect but also, I mean, about halfway through the movie, it just it didn't register with me anymore. Like, it's just I acclimated myself to his his look and everything. Like, well, sure, yeah. It it also like he's very like hunched over throughout yeah. most of it, and he has this weird I don't even know what to call that haircut, but oh, yeah. uh, it almost like draws attention to yeah how how much it doesn't fit him right you know yeah. And I, I did make a couple of jokes that I wasn't <laughs> going to say on the podcast, but my joke was that uh, Scorsese should have directed this and used the Irishman uh, <laughs> right. de aging technology. Yep, and <laughs> then it would be five star, you know, yeah. masterpiece. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> jeez. Um, so yeah, a couple of dumb jokes that I made. I'll just say um, 
the shot that's all over the marketing with him in the car with his mom driving him to school with his head kind of kind of up against the window of the car okay um like <laughs> the the asshole kind of joke that I made was um, I imagined him saying, I know you're driving me to school, mom, but I'm really stressed out about my stock portfolio and my 401k. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then there's a scene and this is so dumb and I'm sorry, but there's a scene later where he is running. It's like a dramatic moment. He's running across town to someone's house. And when that someone opens the door, he like they they're they're talking and everything. But what I imagined was that when the door opens, he would be uh kind of uh kind of um doubled over, panting and groaning and saying, Hey, sorry, I I just I just need a second. It's been a while since I did cardio and it rained this afternoon, so my hip is acting up. <laughs> um so yeah, so those are just cruel, stupid jokes that I made. But honestly, at the end of the day, like I said, I got acclimated to the look. It didn't right. bother me. It didn't distract me well, halfway through. It's it's um, easy to get acclimated because this is a two hour and fifteen yes. freaking minute movie. Yes. Good lord. That, oh yeah, that was. And I know, yeah. like, part of that is the songs, but, right? <sighs> but still, it's 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 way too long. It, yeah. It just is. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another reason why it was distracting for that first half or whatever in comparison to Caitlin Deaver or any of the other actors because mm-hmm. he's the star of the movie. Like there are so many like he's he's in every scene or just about every scene. So right. the focus is on him right. most of all. Um but yeah, that and yeah, I'm trying to think of what else we can say in non-spoilers. Um because I want to touch on the Zoe thing, because that like that's overall. Oh my! My thought that I was uh, having with with the the his his look and appearance and everything is that ultimately it doesn't factor into the plot of the movie. It's not anything that's that has a bearing on the actual story elements or the filmmaking or anything. It's a it's at best a distraction that mm-hmm. I got acclimated to halfway through. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think another actor could have made this movie better yeah yeah it's it it has so many it's broken from the get-go absolutely and that's the big thing with me is that it creates in evan hansen this character that is presented to us as this socially awkward social anxiety ridden kid Mm -hmm. who has just severe social anxiety and the movie presents us presents us to this character and puts him through or makes him go through like almost almost to the point and and in a couple of cases i would say probably to the point of irredeemable qualities and irredeemable actions that like it was at a certain point i was like i mean i was thinking like the only way that this movie can improve or this movie can turn a corner for me is if his inevitable downfall in the plot or when everything kind of comes crashing down around him mm-hmm. Is if that is a, a if that is a more severe uh, house of cards falling than the movie is going to have because it's you know I, I know what the demographic is I know what type of movie this is but like the only way that it could turn a corner and make me more interested is if if this was a like <laughs> a villain story <laughs> right like, it's just because it's so there's so many so many instances where it's just it's it's really really. Uh, morally bankrupt for me yeah yeah um two things that i think are 
slightly more positive, I guess. Okay. Um, I will say I liked, um, I think it, well, this isn't the case with all of them, but I especially liked the song mm-hmm. and I can't remember what it's called, but the, uh, the song that where Evan and his friend are writing the fake emails. Oh yeah. Um, I liked that. I liked the way that yeah. it was edited together. Me and, too. Um, I liked how it played out. I, don't know how that would have played on stage. I was wondering that too. And yeah. about a couple other things. Like I, I was very curious um how it how it was depicted on stage. Cause to the movie's credit, like as as much of a fault and uh down downgrade of uh quality in terms of screenwriting and dialogue and everything, um, in terms of creating a, a film aspect of it like mm-hmm. a, doing things that i can't imagine were able to be performed on stage yes um like the way that they do that is is pretty effective like it is it is it is interesting to see that they showed they showed that they were aware that they were in a different medium <laughs> um so i did appreciate that yeah and i think i mm. as unmemorable as most of the songs are i think mm. they're fine yeah know? I enjoyed um, I enjoyed the songs in the moment. They're not, you know, they're not uh in the heights. Right. But, or uh, La La Land for that matter. Right, There's right. no City of Stars or anything. Yes. Um the other thing that I'll say, and I think that this the movie could have improved if it had focused on this, but I liked the scene with Evan and um what was the uh, the other student's name? The girl, um, oh, um, the student body president. Yeah, um, Alana. Uh, I know the the actress's name is Amanda something. Right. Um, um. Yeah, Elena Beck. Okay. So I like the scene with him and her uh, as they're kind of like walking along together um, and talking about their mental uh yeah uh, illnesses i yeah. guess um That's... and the things that they struggle with yeah talking think... shop about medicine yeah yes which i i like that too as someone who was on uh zola team zoloft um <laughs> go evan hansen um <laughs> i i did appreciate that Al- mm-hmm. although on the other hand there were moments where i felt like i felt like it was implied slightly um in some cases that um, I, I feel like there was the implication in some aspects that, uh, the reason why he was doing these things, like lying and, and deceiving this grieving family mm-hmm. was be, if not, it was indirectly because he was medicated or something like, oh. I feel like there's, and this could just be me finding something that's not there. So feel free to rake me over the coals <laughs> with that. But I feel like there was at least like one or two, maybe it's just one scene with him and Julianne Moore where, uh, where he kind of uses the fact that he's on medicine as, as a, as an excuse or, um, a reasoning behind his actions, I guess. I don't know. I think I remember that a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I think it could have been better if it had focused more on like, these, they're, uh, the way that they put on these acts mm-hmm. of acting like they're okay. Yeah. Uh, because, I don't know, because of being in high school or because right. of 
parents mm. or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but just focusing on their mental struggles. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And But it doesn't. It's just that one scene. I I agree. Yeah. And that was something that I feel like should have should have been explored more. Right. Um another thing, I'll hint at it, but we'll talk more extensively of, mm-hmm. about it in spoilers, but um I will say that I there was a moment toward the end of the movie where some some uh the plot ramps up a little bit toward the end and there are elements of the of the kind of the climax of the movie where I it it I felt like it was a big improvement over the rest of the movie. Like I actually felt like, okay, this is, this is actually not as bad as the last two hours. Um, (laughs) But I say that with a caveat because there are elements of the story at the ending that I feel like would have served. Like there's, I don't think there is a reason for it to be revealed at the end and not the beginning of the movie to, to kind of guide the actions of the character, um, which I'll, I'm talking in vague, vague terms, but I'll talk about it in spoilers. But I just think that there is just a weird, this, this weird element to, to the ending. That's like, we don't get, Oh, we don't really get much about Evan Hansen except for, Oh, he has social anxiety and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's another thing that I, I feel like this, this movie that centers around, what happens after a student kills himself really does a disservice to the student who killed himself. Right. And it's, it is, it's borderline offensive. What, and to kind of piggyback off of that, Mm -hmm. this feels to me like an ode to like performative grieving where immediately afterwards, well, even before Mm -hmm. he kills himself, He's this outcast and everyone makes fun of him. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, everyone decorating his loves locker. Him. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what I thought like Elena or Alana was going to be. Like, I thought right. that that's where like that character was like, I thought that that was the point of the character, but mm-hmm. it's more sincere and it's more, I don't know, it evolves from that. Um, but, but yeah, in in terms of his actual like the stuff we learn about Connor, the real stuff, not the stuff that Evan Hansen makes up to uh manipulate and deceive a grieving <laughs> family. Um <laughs> uh the real stuff, like this the stuff we learn about him, like we don't need to know how he killed himself or anything, but the why of it or or the what he went through before killing himself is so murky to me. Right. Like at one point it's I mean, it's pretty heavily like said directly that he had like behavioral problems. And we even see that in some of the scenes with uh, like the one of the two scenes with Evan. Right. Um, And then there's also the talk about him being kind of uh addicted to drugs and in and out of rehab and stuff. And it's like I like I. At one hand, it's like, okay, they're kind of obviously they're also kind of demonizing, uh, you know, mental health in that respect, but also they're ignoring it. And it's just really, really weird that we have a we have a story that is hinging on the reaction of people to a person committing suicide. And we don't know much about that character, which maybe is the point. But I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, anything else to say? Non spoilers. Uh, <laughs> don't 
Oh, oh, oh. Mm. Uh, I was talking with my sister about this mm-hmm. um, because I thought that she had gone to go and see it, but she had not. Oh, okay. She went to go and see the movie that is on Apple TV, uh, Come From Away. Oh, okay. But uh, she said that Dear Evan Hansen was like across the street at the time. Oh. Um, so anyway, she asked me. Wait, Come From Away, is that like a musical that was adapted into a movie? It's a... I think it's like a Hamilton situation. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So we'll win, win an Emmy in a couple of years. <laughs> right. It'll um, be Bo Burnham. Because <laughs> in my head, I'm freaking out like, that's what we should have done the double review. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, oh, well. Um. So she asked me, is this worse than Cats? And oh. I had to think about it for a second. Oh, interesting. And I'm going to say yes. Oh, It's worse wow. than Cats. Wow. Like, you've seen Cats, right? Yes. Okay. Because huh. for this reason, Dear Evan Hansen is like trying to do something profound and mm-hmm. say something about mental health or mm-hmm. uh, being in high school or something. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's something like that. Manipulating Whereas, a girl that you like in yeah. an effort to get her to like you. Yeah. Right. Which we can all relate to. <laughs> right. Um Whereas Cats is just a bunch of weird shit that was executed poorly. Yeah, which yeah. even Cats the Musical mm-hmm. never really aspired to be much more than that. So, Man. and Cats has some fun songs, at least. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Man, you know when you put it like that, I, I mean, I honestly, I, I'm surprised that I'm saying this right now, but I might have to agree with you, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because Cats is top to bottom crazy yes weird even with us not even being able to see the butthole cut um that notwithstanding it is an experience that at its central premise is ridiculous crazy nonsense weird nonsensical stuff um and dear evan hansen like you said you're right it does try to do something profound and I feel like almost every step of the way, it shits the bed entirely. Mm-hmm. And I think you, yeah, I think I'll have to agree with you because it is dealing with much more serious topics. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a cat person. I love cats through and through, but I will say that mental health is more important by a smidge more important than well, you're lucky our, she's asleep. Our feline companions. Um, which, by the way, real quick, I saw a very funny comment um, on Reddit where someone said that uh, uh, someone said like, oh, some someone said something about a cat owner and then someone corrected them and said, dogs have owners, cats have staff. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I'm like, yeah, that's that's yep. true. Um, but yeah, that yeah, I, I agree. I think it's worse than cats. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Wow, I'll never see either movie again. So, <laughs> oh man, yeah. we could do a double feature. Oh my god, that's we got, what we would play we at got a film a, festival. Another what twenty four hours before the digital screener expires? Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh god, yeah. I feel like if the, I watched it again, pizza would claw my eyes out. Um, the the last yeah. thing that I'll say, and I'll expand mm. on this in spoilers, is that there are zero human people in this movie. Yeah. Much like cats. Right. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> it's like it's like a movie entirely of, uh, is it Brett Goldstein? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just CGI characters. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it, it just goes like 
with you or what you were saying is just mm-hmm. every turn it just shits the bed. Yeah. Uh, because there are no human characters mm-hmm. and they don't behave like humans. No. So no. I don't no. know. Let's, oh, yeah. let's go into spoilers. Yeah, let's go into spoilers. So we're going to be spoiling Dear Evan Hansen. Um, like with Cry Macho, if you want to skip to if we do something afterwards, I don't know, we're running a little late, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, just uh, here's your warning. We're going to play a clip from the trailer. If you don't care about spoilers, just listen to this clip from the trailer. And then, uh, yeah, so here's a clip from the trailer. When we come back, spoilers for Dear Evan Hansen. Dear Evan Hansen, he wrote it to you. His last words, Connor took his own life. I'm sorry, Connor didn't write this. No, 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 please. It's this. You will be found. We didn't think Connor had any friends. I mean, you really gonna tell these people that the only thing they have left of their son is a letter that you wrote to yourself? So, you and Connor, tell us something, please. Right, um, I started talking and you couldn't stop. They didn't want me to stop. I'm putting together a memorial service. If you wanted to do something, Connor showed me that that I wasn't alone. Nobody is. So let that lonely feeling wash away. Okay, so spoilers on for Dear Evan Hansen. Um, I do want to say just real quick that the uh, scene where he is giving his speech that goes viral and everything. Yeah. He's speaking. Well, he knocks it over, but he's speaking into a Shure SM58 microphone, um, which I have several of for our mobile setup. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> it's an industry standard for that. Anyway, so spoilers on for dear Evan Hansen, Ben, where to begin? Oh boy. Should we begin with Zoe? Cause we didn't talk about her that much and I'm ready to just go off the wall with this. Well then go off. Okay. So I, I will say mm-hmm. I, I do think that Caitlin Deaver was good. Oh, me this. too. Yeah. I honestly think that she is one of the uh one uh, she's one of those actors that I am very eager to see a career like yes. going forward. Yes. Like I think she's an incredible talent. Mm-hmm. Um and I say that having not seen her limited series that I really need to see. Um God, what was that called? Uh um, I don't remember, but uh, no, I I haven't seen it either. Okay. But so in this movie, she is the object of unrequited affection from Evan Hansen, who is crippled with, um, crippled by social anxiety disorder to the point that he cannot, he doesn't really speak to anyone. So he looks at her from afar. He has a crush on her, like, you know. Teenagers do. Sure. Um, or men in their near 30s. I can't. I'm sorry. I don't. I shouldn't make that joke. But um, as teenagers do. <laughs> and so that's all that's all well and good. That's fine. But the problem that I have is that he and I mean, devil's advocate. He the character is a teenager. So I, I guess it kind of makes a little bit of sense in that teen logic thing. But the fact that the movie takes Evan Hansen to a point where he, like the most egregious, most like just off-putting moment in the entire movie for me was when he is with Zoe in in their house, in her house, uh, ready to eat the pie, not a euphemism, <laughs> and she 
is talking about a moment in the letter in this in what is um what is in in their household regarded as the suicide note that is addressed to dear Evan Hansen to, to Evan Hansen right um <laughs> and she says like that line about Zoe not knowing me like what did he mean um like what what uh i he didn't know me or whatever and then there's a whole song mm-hmm. where evan is singing to her telling her all the things that he has noticed about her under the guise of her brother telling him about those things right that just <laughs> what what the hell man yeah <laughs> like that is so gross and just morally corrupt it is manipulative yeah. it's it is so messed up mm-hmm. uh, uh and like that at that point i was just like oh my god what what even is this <laughs> and then it goes a step further with them actually starting to date and yeah them having that song where they're talking about how like you know they want to be together and stuff and i'm like what are you doing movie? Like <laughs> what, what is this? Like, and I mean, I think that the problem, one of the many problems I have with that is that this is a movie that is unabashedly geared toward, you know, Gen Z. Sure. And it is something that has these, uh, profound messaging in it about, you know, mental health and suicide prevention and, and, you know, being seen when, when you don't feel like you're seen and everything, but it's also like, oh, okay, this dude is just fucking like manipulating this girl <laughs> into falling for him or having an emotional connection with him while she's grieving the death of her brother. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck, man? Yeah. Just, ah. Uh. It takes a pretty big leap. And it the movie does not earn this mm-hmm. to go from where they start out to where they end up when yeah. they're dating. Like- uh, it's just almost out of the blue yeah where she like tells him that she likes him right uh i i don't know like you you kind of know that it's gonna come one mm-hmm. way or another but the way that it takes to get there just doesn't make any sense oh absolutely and they don't put in the work agree. to get there yeah so and to your point to like that <laughs> just non-human characters yes. like it is yeah. so weird Oh, can, can I, I talk yeah. a bit about? I guess I could have brought this up in spo- non spoilers, mm-hmm. but the way that these songs play out mm-hmm. just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Okay. It's not really like most of the songs are just Evan, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's all very like grounded and real, except for that one that we talked about with, mm-hmm. with him and, uh, uh, uh connor mm-hmm. um so it's not clear like most musicals when they sing it's almost like a like a dream kind of thing or like they're singing internally mm-hmm. but here it's like he's singing but it's not clear if they are hearing him sing just out of nowhere or if he is singing himself and then simultaneously like speaking words. Does that make sense? That that makes sense. Like uh if I'm picking up what you're putting down, you're questioning whether like, 
like is the singing just like for us and right 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 like the actual like, like in real for, in real life for instance them talking when he's on the stage with with the famous microphone mm-hmm. um when he's the on sure the stage and he just spontaneously breaks out and ends song and mm-hmm. that moment goes viral did he actually just spontaneously sing in front of a crowd of no people he doesn't know and is afraid of no in in my my kind of position this goes kind of for all musicals honestly Mm -hmm. like the the way i think i may have heard them describe this way like the the genre of musical is that when when characters break out into song in a musical it is basically them it, it is it is a representation of their emotional state right and that that's what like the music part of the musical is so like in obviously i don't think he's singing to an audience or whatever it's just the movie or the production the stage production whatever is communicating to us the emotional uh core of the speech that he gives sure so yeah that's my thing so he actually does give a speech and that's what goes viral? Right. That's what I'm thinking is that the okay. actual thing that goes viral is actually a, a very um, very heartfelt speech that he gives. But since it's a musical, to bring out that mm. emotion, we do that in a musical. Even, okay. even though he doesn't pick up the microphone stand and speak into the <laughs> SM58 um, – even the, Real so, lost opportunity. Yeah, I know, right? Um, so yeah, but, but yeah, anyway, um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It just, the, the way that these musical numbers were staged Mm -hmm. just didn't make sense to me. Yeah. And part of that could be because, like I said, they're all very self-contained. Like Mm -hmm. it's mostly either Evan or, uh, Caitlin Deaver, Mm -hmm. uh, or, um, uh, Julianne Moore mm-hmm. at the end. There aren't like big choreo choreographed yeah. musical moments. There's not like a like it's, a big. Um, there's there's like one one song. I think um, it might just be called Requiem, or it might be like I'm not going to have oh, a Requiem yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That has like like kind of a full cast, right? Kind yes. of thing, but. That's an outlier. You're you're right. It's, There's not really much else. Like I almost started wondering like. Would this movie have been any better if they had just taken the songs out entirely? Oh, interesting. I don't hmm. know. Yeah, I don't know. Because I honestly, I, I liked the music oh, yeah. a lot yeah. more than the movie. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, would, would it yeah. have been more dramatically compelling if the music was taken out? I, you know, I you might be on to something, but I think either way, it it needed a better screenwriter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it that's needed that's someone what it boils could, down to. Yeah. 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 But I think, I think that the, the kind of blueprint of the story, the kind of overall story is strong enough to sustain like a, a traditional narrative. Mm-hmm. Not to say that like being a musical is a gimmicky or anything like that. But, um, and like I said, kind of musicals have their own strengths of, of bringing out the emotion of the characters and everything. But I think that the story is interesting enough to sustain a traditional narrative um, with a better screenwriter. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Speaking of a better screenwriter, and Mm -hmm. this is the other giant leap in logic that just (laughs) pissed me off at the Mm -hmm. end. So they do this fundraiser thing. Mm -hmm. And 
Yes. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> um, the big emotional twist uh, near the end mm-hmm. is when, um, what's her name? Uh, Alana. This, yes. Yeah. Um, puts this note on the internet. Yep. And then the public God, hates it. Fu- yeah. Like, I, number one, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense for her character. Like, right. why, why is she... I guess it makes sense because she's trying to raise money. Yeah. But then the the internet gets pissed off at her mm-hmm. because this rich family is asking for money. Right. But this foundation had already been set up. Yeah. Like, they already knew weeks that. or months or whatever well, already. Yeah. And it's not like the family is asking for this money. Right. It's this foundation. I think, so, I hated that part of the movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I will play devil's advocate, and I'll I'll try to retroactively make it make sense, for me at least, so I can <laughs> sleep at night. Um, I think that the reason the internet went crazy and... and um, uh, was was angry at the family is because I don't maybe there is like a moment where there's a screenshot of a comment or something that could verify this but I think that the kind of idea that the movie's going for is that the fundraiser is near the end and someone posted the suicide note as the public understands it to be mm-hmm. and so I think that the implication is that they think that it's the family publishing this so that they will reach that fundraising goal. Uh So that's that. But I hate it. Yes. (laughs) Um, Because there's a scene right before it where he shows, he shows Alana the, the note and Uh she, he's, I think it's to prove that he was friends with, him or something i I don't remember i don't i don't remember the context yeah but it's after the scene where she's like were you even friends with him and then he's like oh hey look at this Uh and then he's like don't show this to anyone because if it gets out it could be terrible for the family it's like (laughs) okay telegraphing really hard yeah and then like the next scene she's posting it on she's she's posting it on the gram and i'm like i understand that her motivation is to raise funds and to meet that fundraising goal. And even to play devil's advocate further, she gives a compelling reason why, because it's not because they want to raise the funds to get the, the orchard named after him and everything. It's not just because of that. It's because it's sending a message to kids who are struggling with mental illness and everything to say that they matter and everything. And like, Mm -hmm. that's an admirable thing, but the leap from her receiving that and then posting it, for selfish reasons, it's it's to to your point again. They're not human characters. <laughs> they are vessels for the drama of the story. Yeah, and it makes no sense. Like, uh, uh, it's so frustrating. It's so annoying. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. But the thing that I actually liked, and I don't, I I'm I'm gonna say this with with several asterisks, but. <laughs> The reveal that his uh, that his fall from the tree was a suicide attempt. Yeah, that made me feel a little bit better about his really deplorable actions. To an extent, I feel like that's trying to communicate that, like, okay, he sees himself in Connor because he was in he 
tried to commit suicide right. himself. And so that is why he has such a visceral response to it. And he doesn't have, you know, a traditional family. So like he, like Connor's family taking him in is the kind of support and the energy, the, the positivity that he needs, even though it's, it's him manipulating a grieving family. But I can understand that. And that's the thing that I think would have played a lot better if it wasn't concealed as a twist ending. <laughs> right. Um, if it was just shown up front. And I will say, I was surprised. I When it happened, I was like, well, yeah, duh, obviously. Hmm. But I had no inclination. I had no thought that, that that's what it was going for. So I liked that. And I liked that he gets told off quite severely and ostracized for what he did. And I even like that he does the research that he did, that he finds like I got just a little bit choked up at the video of Connor playing the guitar. Oh my God. That (laughs) counterpoint that sure. That fucking pissed me off. Interesting. Because okay. Who takes a video at a rehab meeting? (laughs) That's a good you point. You don't do that. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. Um, I I I mean, I will 100% cop to the fact that it is emotionally manipulative <laughs> for the for toward the audience and that it is it is something that is not that earned. Um, although I I think that it is the most earned point of the movie. <laughs> like I got I got very uh, like I I it hit it resonated with me. I thought that okay. th- that's nice. That's a nice thing. It did not register with me that you know they wouldn't do that, <laughs> but um, I do like that it's a callback to his mother telling Evan that he would never play, oh, that kind yeah. of would never play for yeah. them and everything. Like I, I liked that. I don't think. And and I do kind of like I don't remember exactly what the conversation with him and Zoe was um at the at the orchard at the end, but mm-hmm. I like that they go their separate ways. Like yeah. the whole movie, I was like, I will like I will uh I will take my pitchfork and just march wherever I need to go <laughs> if he ends up with Zoe in this movie. Like right. I was I was so primed to be just incredibly angry because that would have just been unbelievable. Right. <laughs> and I'm so glad it didn't happen. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. But it, he does get like that, that where she's like, oh, I wish we could have met now. It's like, okay, well, no, he's still like, yeah, he did something nice, but he's also a shitty person. I mean, yes, <laughs> there's no other way around it. Yeah. I, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I am very glad that they did not end up together. Yeah. Same here. That, same here. Although it probably would have been just as fitting in a oh, shitty, yeah. stupid movie like this. Oh yeah, that's the thing. I had I had so little faith in the movie <laughs> that I was I was preparing myself for that ending. Like I was so yeah. I was so sure that they were going to go for that. I was so sure SM fifty eight <laughs> that they were going to go for that. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, is there anything else to talk in spoilers for Dear Evan Hansen? Uh, no, I yeah. probably not. Yeah, same here. Um, yeah, yeah. I asked, I asked this of Sam last week uh, when talking about *Malignant*, but I'll ask this to you: Are you going to nominate it for any IFJA awards? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Is there a song category? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I well, I know there's a score category. Mm-hmm. 
Um, no. Okay. Yeah. Um, the the thing yeah. that will piss me off though mm-hmm. is if like I I don't know if there were any original songs for this, mm. but if I it wouldn't surprise me if there were because mm-hmm. that's what musicals do to right. try and get nominated for original song oh, at the Oscars. Yeah. So it will. As as much as I did not hate the songs, mm. it will piss me off if this gets yeah. a song nomination. I I agree because there are so many other musicals coming out this year. Mm-hmm. So I think that the, I think the fact that there are so many that that it's a pretty stacked genre mm-hmm. this year. I think that that bodes well for Dear Evan Hansen kind of just falling by the wayside. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yes. Yep. Okay, well, that is our review of Dear Evan Hansen. It is currently in theaters. Um, yeah. <laughs> the the other bonkers thing about mm-hmm. this, uh, my friend works at the State Museum. Mm-hmm. This is showing at the State Museum in IMAX. Oh, God. I, wow. <laughs> Can yeah. you imagine paying, you know, Jeez. 17, 18 bucks to see this Ugh. in IMAX? Or that God. this was even shot in IMAX. Right. <laughs> Man. You know, that, <laughs> and I'm sure, I I think it'll probably make a little bit of bank. I know it's getting kind of really mm-hmm. harsh reviews from us and <laughs> around Letterboxd and everything, but I do think it has that, I mean, it obviously has that fan base, so I'm curious to see how it does in terms of box office and yeah general conversation yeah we'll see i'm just glad i didn't have to spend money on it yeah same here and even gas money to try (laughs) and get to a press screen (laughs) yeah same here all right well that's our review of dear evan hansen and cry macho i think we're going to probably forego potpourri um because it's it's late and we've yammered on for long enough so uh yeah next time on the podcast i don't know what we're going to be doing but we will have something i'm sure um like i said we i I am doing foundation reviews on patreon and chapel weight reviews and everything so check that out uh Ben, oh, uh, Ben, a uh, progress report on your Disney column hmm. on Midwest Film Journal and uh, your Ted Lasso reviews. Uh, let's see. As of this recording, um, the newest episode is episode 10 of Ted mm-hmm. Lasso, season two. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only two more episodes to go. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fun. Nice. Uh, I'm excited for where the show is going and where it could go. Nice. Um, We're going to hopefully, and I really, really hope that we'll we'll be able to do this off. And it's all on me, really. <laughs> but we'll hopefully do like a standalone episode for seasons one and two together. Oh, oh it'll happen. Oh, nice. Don't, okay. <laughs> one way or another, it'll yeah. happen. All right. Um, and uh, Disney uh, still going strong-ish. Um. <laughs> Let's see. What was this week? I uh, think today. Did I see that? No, no, no. no. Hunchback of Notre Dame 2. Okay. Uh, next week is 101 Dalmatians 2. Okay. Which I kind of liked. Oh, nice. uh, <laughs> be on the lookout. I think you were alluding to this. Be on the lookout for my Tarzan 2 review. Yeah, I saw you checked when into I that. When I go in super deep for that one. Oh, God. <laughs> I am. fun. I I am if you guys read any uh any <laughs> review from that series read mm. that one. <laughs> if you read Blah. any reviews of straight to straight to home video <laughs> Disney sequels this year read Ben's Tarzan 2. <laughs> Block <laughs> out your entire day cuz 
you'll just be sitting thinking about it all day after you finish reading it. Nice. Nice. All right. Great. Well, as always, I'll put links in the show notes to all of your stuff and everything, as well as recent reviews that both of us have have, uh, posted on obsessiveviewer.com. Almost forgot the name of the site. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, as always, thank you for joining me, Ben. And uh, we'll be back soon with another episode. And uh, yeah, uh, thank you guys so much for for listening. And again, check out Patreon, Foundation Reviews, Chapel Wait, and a lot of B-roll nonsense. So yeah. Uh, Yeah. So thank you guys so much. And we'll see you next time. Bye. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. Um, overall, and I've got to imagine that Apple TV Plus wants them wants to be in a position to have the show uh, be profitable for many seasons. Um, and as a fan of science fiction and a fan of at least the first book in the series, I'm, I'm all for that as well. Cause I would like to see, I would like to see this play out on a, on a long-term level. Um, but the voiceover narration kind of felt a little bit, um, a little bit, uh, crutchy. <laughs> like it felt like it was a little bit of a crutch, a little bit of just over explaining things just right from the outset with this veneer of vagueness and intri- intrigue. Like, I don't know that I don't know. I don't think I needed, uh, Gail to tell, to tell the audience that like, Oh, I'd never been to Terminus. I'd never heard of Terminus, but now it's my life or something, whatever it was. Like, I don't think we needed that. Also, the obsessive viewer podcast is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to obsessiveviewer.com slash OV archive. You can also like our Facebook page and join the OV Facebook group at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer and follow us on Twitter at obsessive viewer and at obsessive tiny and follow our recurring co-hosts at I am Mike White. That's me at R.A. Fekis and at burger underscore lurker. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com, T-E-E, public.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and on Twitter at OVAnthologyPod. 
You can also find Tower Junkies, a podcast where Matt and Tiny share their love of all things Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series, at towerjunkiespod.com and at towerjunkiespod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. The theme music for The Obsessive Viewer comes courtesy of the band Loud Like from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Kitty! Kitty!